Welcome to Vanguard Garage Gaming. Uh, my name is Reese, and I'm joined by Monty. And when you're Vanguards for Conquest Last Argument of Kings by Parabellum, mate, how are you? Happy New Year and all that jazz. Happy New Year. Merry, Merry Christmas, Reese. I'm very well. Thank you for asking. Excellent. Hope everyone out there is well as well. Not too many wells there. Not too many wells, but it's all right. I'm sure they'll forgive us. We'll be rusty after the break, guys. <laughs> oh, I'm so rusty. I'm already sweating bullets. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, nobody nobody can judge us on the internet. It's a completely fair and safe place. <laughs> Mate, uh, what'd you get up to over the break? Uh, not much at all, man. I took a break from hobby for a bit and chilled myself out and just um, hung out with, with the, my family and that here. And yeah, that was that was really it, man. I just kept it low key. How about yourself? Yeah, I actually had a really, really nice break from hobby. I know that sounds a bit funny. Um, but sometimes, you know, when you, when you're sort of ramping up and, and, you know, we, we, I know we did a lot of, of content and a lot of sort of heavy hitting stuff towards the end of last year. And then we had the tournament in December. Sometimes you do just need a couple of weeks where you just go, I'm just going to refresh. I'm going to take, take 10 and then come back even stronger. So, uh, no, it was lovely. Spent some time with the family, did some painting of an other, of a different kind, the the wife put me to work painting the spare room and a few other bits around the house. So look, uh, I must say though, the more painting I've been doing for the hobby, my brushstrokes of the walls are getting better. <laughs> well, mate, hopefully that'll transfer across, and that way you can actually be a competent painter on your miniatures instead of just your That's household. Right. Although I have a sneaky suspicion, if she comes in, she's going to be quite annoyed if she just sees the markings of an abomination just in the middle of the bedroom wall. Could be a bit of an odd one, I think. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> no, awesome. That's but uh, but yeah, mate. That's that's about me. Awesome, awesome. Well, we hope everybody else who's listening had a uh, safe and a lovely Christmas and New Year's. Um, obviously, the I mean, we're still a bit lucky here in Australia with regards to how the pandemic's going on and stuff. But hopefully, everybody else is safe and their families are safe. And we're um, hopefully this year we'll we'll be able to push through this next bit of it, and we'll be good to go from there. Yeah, that's the time of recording. Uh, just sort of coming out the the whole new fresh lockdown in the UK, and, and it doesn't sound very very nice at all. So yeah, look, stay safe, guys. That's it. Now we've got a we've got a fairly shockers episode on mind for today. Um, we'll see if our you know our, our bellies are full from Chris, the Christmas break and how how much we bite off for this one. But we do want to tackle a few things that have been sort of popular discussion uh, over the last probably two or three months realistically speaking mm. um and also uh there's there's um and we'll go into in depth of, of a few different things we've got some thoughts on but what we what we do want to start off with is the awesome new step in the living world that parabellum is doing uh for project six now monty kick us off with what it is and your thoughts on it and then we'll we'll have a bounce back about it Oh, uh, nothing would bring me greater pleasure. But first, a uh, bit of an admin. I, uh, If you hear a background sort of tussle, it is a heavy summer storm currently at my residence. Uh, so you might hear some thunder. You might hear some sort of downpipe, downpipe runoff. That's right. It'll, um, add, to, it'll add to the ambiance. <laughs> so absolutely, Project 6 is great. I mean, I've, I've never really been part of a, a game system where the developers have invited, I guess, the the community and the players to actually vote on the direction of the game in such a way. And, and this is probably the, the largest yet, you know, being able to influence the next faction that drops on the production line is, is pretty, 
it's pretty special to be honest. Yeah, I've um I've not seen anyone do it before in any way, realistically speaking. That's from any company that I can think of off the top of my head. I'm sure I'm sure an avid listener out there will uh will direct uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But the fact that yeah, we're the, we've got the Wadron coming early this year, and now we're being able to pick as a community what faction we will get our hands on next, which hopefully will be by the end of the year. But I mean, obviously, it's going to be a hard one to tell um, with sort of release schedules and, and production times and things like that. But no, I think it's it's a it's a great idea that they've had, um, and the community is running with it. It's so good to see everybody talking about it um, and everybody like fully pumped for you know the next best thing for them. I mean, everybody's wrong. It's obviously city states, but that's beside the point um, because <laughs> it's just it's so good to see people talking about what's coming and the massive lore dumps for these factions just like a, a a huge page of information to give you the backstory of the factions and then give it a vote go from there whoever wins out i forget how long it's running for off the top of my head i could look it up but i'm lazy um and yeah the fact that we'll be able to you know pick what comes next um and then it's just it's such a good idea i think it, it really helps sort of get the community involved with the content. I think the the sledging that's happening between all the community members, you know, everyone's sort of having to have a bit of a, a bit of fun with it. Um, po constantly posting, uh, you know, the, the percentages, who's ahead or the, the, the real time updates. It's, it's actually quite <laughs> a lot of fun watching the journey. Um, so, you know, if anything, I think it's just sort of further galvanize the community together. Uh, but as you mentioned, you know, that lore dump really did tickle my fancy. I loved reading about the three different factions mm. lore, and I certainly learned a few things more. I had a bit of an inkling about what each one was, but it certainly gave us a new insight into, I guess, a bit of, of how they may play on the table and a bit more of a background as to as to what they are. So yeah. I guess quickly touching on for the listeners, Reese, what are the three states? Well, sorry, not the three states. <laughs> I've got you. I've lured you into you, my... You, you've, yeah. you, you've earwormed in there. Um, for, for everybody that needs to, to understand <laughs> this, I think I've been talking about city-states non-stop for two weeks. Um, so anybody and everybody within my close circle has just heard all of the, the nonsense about it. But um, yeah, so city-states obviously is one of the factions. Uh, the other two are the Old Dominion, and then we've got the Weaver Courts. Um, now, to give a short sort of TLDR on each of the factions, um, the city-states are... The easiest way to put it is they're, they're your sort of... Your, your typical sort of Spartan warrior Greek hoplite with, like, mythological creatures. And there's, there's a slight bit of, like, steampunk um, sort of, you know uh effect to a bit of their 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 artwork and and if you so read the lore on them it sort of explains that they are quite sort of artificial in the way that they build their society um we've got the weaver courts which are a elemental sort of evolution of the spire that moved to here um and they've become sort of one with the life force of the planet um, and they've taken on the uh, embodiments and sort of uh, sort of happenstance of each of the seasons and the elements around them. And then you've got the Old Dominion, which is like this ancient um, civilization that has been sort of brought back from the brink of death in this sort of like 
very it, it, they are the undead faction if you will like they are the the zombies and the the sort of skeletons that have the, the that have been brought back for this ancient civilization that existed um which is where the city state sort of migrated from um in the lore of it all but all three of the laws are great um i've been pumped for city state since i first heard about them a year and a bit ago so yeah. for me for me that was always my go-to and then i read the law and i just fell more and more in love with them and the artwork is splendid so i'm super pumped for that um i know that old dominion i think is just winning out at the moment in the votes um but the and it's great because all of the votes are actually fairly close all things considered um and it's really good to see that yeah people are voting for what they want um, and yeah, like Monty said, the banter on the the social media pages has been great to sort of have a read through. Yeah, look, I'm going to give a plug to the underdog here. I always love rooting for the underdog. I'm going to go <laughs> Weaver Courts. Woo! Um, they sound great. I I originally wasn't quite as enthused about the Weaver Courts, to be honest, um, because I, I did. You know, we all know that I'm, I'm such an avid Spire fan, and I thought, okay, well, I've sort of already got Spire. I don't really need Spire runoff. Um, but the, the way they describe it being that they've sort of clung to this true form of life binding and then they've gone one step further and sort of bound themselves to the planet and, and the earth and, and then all the different courts being, um, you know, different sort of political structures all vying for dominance and they all have sort of elders among them who sort of control the elements and, and, and sort of embody their season and, just just down to the fact that you know they can they've melded themselves to different animals so you can have you know like the foot of an ox with the you know body of a body of a bird and the head of a chicken you know like it's just <laughs> it could be anything um yeah. and so look I, I i'm 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 this is the one faction that i'm most curious about probably the second one being old dominion i think i think we all know city states is going to be great i think they've got a really really cool body of law to pull from um, and I think they're going to be really strong with that. You know, I, I think the company, being Greek, uh, probably has some flavour in there as well. Um, okay. and, and I think that's that's going to be that's going to be brilliant. You know, Minotaurs, um, uh, you know, just sign me up. Um, <laughs> but I'm really keen for Weaver Calls to see what they do with it, how they take those sort of crazy concoctions and make it work on the table both sort of model artist wise as well as rules wise i think it's gonna be quite cool yeah no and i think that's going to be the benefit to all these factions is that if you read the lore it gives you a sort of a, a light understanding of what they could play like mm. but it's like how they're going to play it, it's going to be so interesting to see when they hit the tabletop given their lore given what we currently have already to have mm all these different factions is going to be an absolute blast um and, and i honestly i think it's just such a good way to get people involved to get people excited and give people an idea of you know what is to come and when it could be coming because then people go all right cool i'm pumped as hell for that uh, i mean it's a bit of a double-edged sword because it means that you might lose out on people getting into the game straight away they might wait for their faction to rock up mm -hmm. but you're always going to run that risk regardless so um and i mean if they're if if someone outside of playing conquest or being interested in conquest looks in and sees these new factions these new shiny things that are held in front of people they might go oh that's really cool but then they might then look into the game and pick something else up for the interim and go from there so it's it is a double-edged sword but it'll work in a favor somewhere and the more people we get into the hobby the better 
And it's just, it'll be really good to see when these factions come out and, and everybody sort of, you know, hey, my faction came out first sort of thing, which I, and, you know, I was there from the start, which I think is just great. A bit of chest beating, a bit of rubber in their face. I think that's going to be only good thing for the game. <laughs> um, and yeah, as you said, I think, yes, yeah, sure, there'll be, there'll be some people that will probably wait on the fence for their faction to drop. But, you know, on the, on the other side, you know, it is a new evolving game. You know, all, all the factions aren't released yet, and I mean, we can't make people buy it. So if they, if they don't want to jump in, that's fine. They can, yeah, they can, exactly. they can um, sort of play other games and play the waiting game, and then, you know, we'll we'll get them in the end. We can play the long <laughs> game. Ha, ha, ha. Yep, that's um, <laughs> but yeah, the other the other thing about Old Dominion I'll just touch on is I saw a few people on Facebook sort of saying, oh, I don't want Old Dominion, they're boring, and, and um, you know, I don't, don't just want another... Uh, death army of I've done that to death. Ha. Um, Jesus. <laughs> uh, right, yeah. Accidental puns are the best. Um, and I, I do, I do think that we're in for an absolute treat with this particular faction. I think I do remember. I do remember. I, I can't remember what it, what YouTube video it was. It was it was the the developers thinking or talking about how they were going to sort of structure the two armies coming, the Woodrun and the Old Dominion. And I remember them talking about the, the Old Dominion as a concept being that it would be some sort of collective power level and the, 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 you know, the, the collective power level remains relatively constant. So if you have lots and lots and lots of models on the table, then the, the, the actual individual power of each model becomes quite low um, and then as you whittle those power down and, and become quite elite then the collective the, the, the power level of those elite models becomes quite high so yeah, you know cool. that as soon as i heard that i thought that's a great concept really opening the door to some very elite um sort of punchy battle line that sort of thing where you know normally when you lose table board presence you know that's a bad thing uh because you're like oh no okay just lost half my army whereas in you know if depending on how they how they roll it out and how they implement it you know you might be saying okay i lost half my army but the army that's remaining is getting better um it's, it's i'm i'm just really really intrigued I, I can't wait to see what they do yeah no i remember reading that as well yeah the whole sort of the power from death which could be really cool to see and so yeah i'm very interested to see how that plays out um but yeah it's it's a heap of stuff to look forward to um uh anybody who hasn't already go and vote if you just go to parabellum.com um you can create an account hit living world read the law that's all on that main page and then chuck your vote at your favorite faction um you the votes reset every week i'm pretty sure and like i said i'm not 100 percent sure how long it's running for i know it's for a while um, or a little while at the very least. So it'll be, yeah, just get behind it, guys. And the, the more people that vote, the, the, the more the rightful uh, winners the city-states can come through. That's right. And let's not forget that at the end of the day, it's all superfluous to the mighty Wadrun who will dream, beat their <laughs> drums of war and smash them into the dust. So that's and very And very area. soon at that rate as well, because you've got only a few <laughs> months left, mate, before the orcs and di on dinosaurs come raging into the game, which would be great. Here they come to wreck the day. No, that's it. <laughs> but yeah, no, guys, that's so that's that's Project Six. That's one of the big things going on at the moment. Like I said, get behind it, vote for it. Um, make sure that your say is in there because every vote does count. Um, hell, you might even push the Weaver Courts ahead, man, and then it's like, bam, we get some we get some fancy, uh, you know, summertime spire. 
So, yeah, but no, that... I can't wait to see my frosty trees. <laughs> Do it for the winter court. Oh, that's it. But um, yeah, so that's that's Project Six, guys. Um, the other couple of things we want to talk about are some stuff that's been um, spoken, like I said earlier, a lot about in the last couple of months. Um, the first of them is the with the tabletop uh, simulator tournament that was running. I think it is still running. I'm not 100 sure actually how that's going. I haven't checked it for a while. But um, the beta mission scenarios came out, um, and everyone noticed that the board size had changed on that. Uh, and there's been a, a, a heated discussion of sorts as to whether or not the board size should change from, you know, four by four for small games and six by four large games to the um, four by four small games, but then 60 inches by 44 inches for the big games, which for anybody who's sort of aware of the, the tabletop sort of tournament um uh, meta as it were of the world games workshop moved warhammer 40,000 to this size um so 60 by 44 so it's five foot by just under four foot um and that was what was in this beta mission pack now we've played a couple of games on it um bear in mind that we've only been playing really 1500 points um we haven't really stepped it up to 2k as of yet um uh, again i play nords 2k is a bit of a rough spot for us at the moment um but i honestly especially if you take into consideration these new missions i haven't noticed a huge difference between six by four and five by four for argument's sake what do you think monty like what what's what have your thoughts been on the discussion and what do you think after the games we've played I think the discussion has been quite numerous. I was surprised actually at how much it evoked sort of people's uh, emotion. Um, I mean, I know some people have been playing board games for many, many years and, and, you know, you do fall into a a comfort blanket zone, so to speak, of, of that six by four, you know, knowing that the six by four is the standard size and, and that's sort of the way that they sort of think about gaming and, and that sort of thing. And and for my money, you know, certainly on the practice games that I've played uh, with the new arrangement, the only thing that I really felt missing was that couple of inches off the four. <laughs> the, yeah. the 44, as compared to a 48, I just found that to be a little bit more restrictive uh, because I play with Spire. I have slightly larger unit sizes in some instances, depending on the list I'm running. And I found that to be a little bit uh, restrictive. Other than that, the five inch, sorry, the five foot, I thought was really, really good. I, I, I preferred it to the six, um, especially on the, the as you mentioned, you know, when, they, when they're turning those objectives and putting them on the heads and, and running them lengthways, you know, you've got five, five um, feet long, you've just under four foot wide. Um, I think that's quite, it's quite dynamic. It's not, I think it was six foot those missions would be an absolute slog in the pants. Yeah, I think especially um, take, say, Dwegholm and, and 100 Kingdoms as realistically as well. When you're playing lengthwise on a board with these new missions, so you're deploying on the short table side, only having a five-inch move and happening to get six feet across the board is really rough. I mean, sure, you can you can flank on from the edges, and 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 I understand that that's part of the game, and and that's a huge part, especially with these new missions, like being able to set a line 
to make the most out of the way that the new deployment works and the new missions work and all that sort of jazz that's fine but yeah when you've got to move that far across the board it is a lot but if you take that just that one foot 12 inches off of the end of a table and and bring it in the game gets a lot closer sure you like and i agree with what you said monty losing those couple of inches it doesn't feel like it doesn't look like a lot but it feels like a lot because it suddenly can make these weird sort of kill channels that you're not used to um especially terrain permitting and and size of units like if you go four wide four stands wide and you're like oh okay now i need to fit through this gap but i'm gonna end up over here because i'm not used to it but you do you know you do get used to it i think that's that that's the big thing but yeah i think losing losing 12 inches off of the end of a table doesn't make a big difference game wise because you've still got enough room on the board to fit your army you've got enough room on the board to meet combat you've got enough room on the board to score objectives and and that's 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 how you play and win a game so definitely definitely and i think for me i i think of it as, as six six inches lost each side so each yep. side just loses six inches which really is you know for for slightly fast infantry that's just one move yeah so it's just i think I, I think of it as it just gets things one move action closer to the fray um which for me is good uh, i think it's i think it's a step in the right direction you know i i, I need a few more play tests before i really sort of definitive give an answer and, and i think it will probably hinge on the exact battle plan you're playing and the exact scenario if you if you you know i'm sure there are some scenarios in there that are just really hard on certain configurations and they're probably designed that way to give you hard choices you know not everything in these games is supposed to be easy battle is supposed to be a messy business and so if you if you're forced into these sort of daisy chain like uh, kill channels and and having to make annoying decisions and having to to sort of say oh I wish I didn't bring this many ranged units because I kind of can't use them right now that's sort of part and parcel of the game it, it probably means that you might have skewed your lift a little too heavily towards one scenario and 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 maybe it's a it's a lesson to sort of think broadly in terms of your tactics and and what you really want to take yep and that that does sort of reach back to our last episode where we spoke about the tournament or the new tournament pack is it does the the new missions do very much lean on thinking about that the missions that you'll play um yeah. ahead of time and building an army that can meet the requirements whether it be fast moving army to or fast moving units to get to those fire objectives um to set a line to bring in your scoring units closer to the point or whatever it is but yeah the game the game has stepped up a notch to a point where you need to plan in the army building phase for the missions you're playing and then the board size just means that you everything's a bit tighter which means you need to plan a bit better and i think when because i've played a lot of games on six by four whether it be conquest or not and you do end up with a lot of dead space a lot of the time like i played a, a 2000 points game of conquest and i didn't even use a foot and a half of the board uh on on the length on the lengthy side so like you know that's i'm only playing on basically four foot by four foot anyway at that point because sure there was an objective over there but it's worth one point or whatever it was and i didn't care about it i'd rather get the three points in the middle and the other side of the board where my opponent's sitting to stop them from scoring so it's one of those things where sure it's a bit of a change sure people have mats 
fit to size of six by four, but just put some tape on it. 60 by 44. <laughs> That's all I've done. Just a roll of electrical tape. Bam. Sorted. Um, and it give it a, a benefit too is a lot of tables are designed wargaming tables especially are designed for six by four. Now you've got a foot worth of room you can put the rule book, your score tracker, your reinforcements, your dice, and keep them off of the the actual battlefield while you're playing. And I love stuff like that. Like the That's sure, huge. yeah, sure it might it might look a lot like Parabellum sort of you know chasing. The, 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 the dangling carrot with Games Workshop setting the precedent for a smaller board size. But at the same time, it's like, it's not a bad change. It's not like they're saying, oh, you can only pay on a, play on a 3x3 three three now with, with this rank and file game. You're like, well, that's no room at all. And I'd agree, that's no room. But playing on a 5 by almost 4 perfectly acceptable. Um, and I think that, especially once you play a few games on it, like Monty, I've only played, what, 2 or 3? It's like, and we're like, okay, cool. There's some changes needed, but to, to, to sort of learn the, the way that the new board suits your play style. But the missions help you with that. And then practice, practice, practice. Play the game. Pardon me. Play the game. Play the missions. Um, and just learn how the new board works for you. Absolutely. And look, I'm a happy camper because you've played on my table at the back, Reese, many mm. times. And it is exactly 40 i think it's 45 inches wide 46 uh, 46 because you get about six inch. inches right that's right so yeah, it was always just too <laughs> short for the the classic four foot now it's just bang on perfect so look you've yep. got a smile out of me um and look i, I think it's got to be i think it's it's all going to come out in the wash i think people will adapt and through the, the first half of 2021 once people get more experience with the new scenarios, I don't think there's going to be any issue with the new table size. Uh, and at the end of the day, I mean, this is just a fun game. Just play what you want. You know, yep. if you really, really, really want to play six by four, brilliant. Play six yep. by four. If you want to play eight by four, go nuts. Um, you know, like it's, you know, you don't have to play the official. Um, but I, I genuinely think that, look, certainly for my practice games and, and my casual fun games, I'll be changing to the, to, to the official one because I just, you know, for me, it just sort of strikes a good balance. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, it's just check with your opponent. If your opponent doesn't want to play the five by four, and wants to play on six by four, play on six by four. As long as as long as you and your opponent are on the same battlefield, it doesn't matter after that. But obviously, moving forward into say tournaments and events, it's going to be heavily dependent on what the TO does. If the TO says it's on the sixty by forty-four, it's on the sixty by forty-four. But if it's on the seventy-two by forty-eight, it's on seventy-two by forty-eight, and that's what it's going to come down to. But um, I'd say just just play on the new board, guys. Like it's you, it's it's different. Um, but it's not complete shock to the system different it's just like oh i've got to make some changes in the way that i do things um it makes flanking a little bit difficult for like the lighter armies like nords um again because you sort of wanted to get all of that distance around the um the side of an enemy but a, a few of the missions now play the the opposite way on the board so you're deploying on that short edge so you don't really have that flank room anyway so yeah just it just comes down to mission but practice on the new the new table size it's good it's it's just a good place to be <laughs> i am in complete agreement well i mean mate that was, was a nice little discussion had me uh <laughs> you know me heart pumping there while 
we spoke about that. But um, we did have one more thing we wanted to talk about. How about you lead us off with that, Monty? Absolutely, absolutely. So look, there was certainly some some hot hot chatter on the the online boards and and Facebook and, and Discord about a concept that has been affectionately termed hero hammer. So basically, a, a term used to describe a hero centric game whereby the the heroes or, or in this instance characters. Um, you know, they're the ones that are, are tooled up to the nines and they're the ones that are really dominating the board space and, and, and making the lion's share of, of impact on the table. Mm. Um, and, and really, I guess there was, there was a bit of toing and froing about whether or not Conquest is heading down the Hero Hammer path. I mean, it's called Hero Hammer because, you know, Warhammer sort of started going down that route with a couple of different games and, and, uh, and that's sort of how it stuck. So, uh, you know, in terms of Conquest, I know, I know that the, you know, for, for my money, and, and we'll, we'll have a, a pretty in-depth discussion about it tonight, but for my money, you know, 1.03 certainly changed the game when it came to heroes and, and made, you know, some heroes very good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I think the crux of it as we get into the discussion will be very good does very good mean too good? And is too good bad? Because I don't think just because something is very good doesn't mean that it's wrong and doesn't mean that it is it is the wrong thing to do or if it is it is, is bad. It, it might just be that's just a really good combo and people really enjoy doing that. On the flip side, you know, is it bad because it can't be counted? You know, I think that's the real crux of the issue. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think that a lot of people are sort of going, oh, it's, you know, the... The hero hammers too much, and and you know the, this is a real problem because the, whether it be their army or their models or or whatever they've got available to them doesn't have a way to to fight back. Mm. Um, uh, so I I mean I've got some thoughts on I agree. One point oh three definitely changed the way we looked at heroes because retinues and masteries meant that you could go oh, okay and turn <laughs> turn you know say a I think my my blooded used to be 110 points, and now what's he? He's closer to 200, if not already breaking 200, because combat three, and then some mastery that suits what unit he's in, plus Vinda plus an aspect is just too good not to take, and that's. But I see that as a as a problem in a way, but I think the problem is, in all honesty combat three for me that plus one cleave i think is too much because you look at the blooded you look at a noble lord you look at the hold ray that cleave makes them do so much more damage than you'd expect from a single model compared to the unit that they might be sunk into i completely agree with you i think that extra cleave turns the blooded into i mean he was already a blender it turns him into a murder machine yep. the the hold ray becomes uh, pretty pretty darn impressive <laughs> with additional upgrades that he could take i mean there are a couple of examples but uh, yeah i mean that's that's an interesting point to, to start the discussion i guess mm. yeah so what you're saying is you want the cleave taken out not taken out as such but the because i've spoken to it with a few of the guys that we play with quite regularly yourself included but like the cle- so combat one is plus one wound, combat two is plus one clash, 
I always forget mm. which. Yep. And in combat yep. three is plus one attack and plus one cl- uh, plus one cleave. Mm. Realistically speaking, you could leave everything the same, but change plus one cleave to cleave one. That mm. means that any hero that can take that, like an ardent Karawa, for example, now gain cleave because they don't have cleave. So if they go all the way to combat three, they pick up an extra attack and an extra and 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 cleave one. But it means that on something like a blooded, he's not suddenly cleave three. He's still cleave two, but he gets the extra attack. And on a hold ray, he's not cleave two. He's cleave one, but he gets the extra attack. Um, and I think that, in a way, will balance combat out because I, then you're not making this one character the absolute monster that it is sitting in a unit of ablative wounds. I I think that's a really interesting point of view and i actually completely agree with you and i know that's that's a bit cringeworthy you know just just, yes i agree with my partner on the podcast um look i i I do agree with you i think i agree with you for a slightly different reason than you might want it i i the, the problem i find with melee combat characters is that unless you have a um a melee combat character of your own in order to deal with them they're very difficult to deal with and and with that term that you just used ablative wounds you know the classic example that i can i can think of is the the tooled up hold ray sitting in a six stands of um uh, warriors yep hold warriors and hold hold warriors And the hold ray, get a get a standard of stone in there. All of a sudden, they're the defense fall from the front after their bastion, and and they're just really effective a blade of wounds. They're not really going to do, and and look, no one's expecting them to do any damage. That's not their job. Their job is basically just to um, sit there, be a, a carrier pigeon for the hold ray, and just basically take the heat for as long as they can stand while he does all the work. So I think that system makes it a bit more prominent in terms of abusing the characters. And and I'm not saying that I want the characters to be able to be targeted. I don't want the tar- I don't want something like marksman clones being able to ch- target the character and then wipe them out and, and that would be a nightmare. I, I don't yeah. want that at all because I really enjoy the dynamics of the game and how that works. But that's the problem for me that it's it's not hard in any way shape or form to just create a bigger blade of wound pool um you know i do the same thing with um with you know six uh, eight nine stands of force grown drones and a, and a biomancer or, or a, a, a high clan executor yep. not to the same level of, of of effectiveness although you could argue with decay yeah i'm pretty good <laughs> um <laughs> there's the hold right all the other goes, hold goes from goes from yeah combat monster <laughs> to just being ablative wounds to keep an effect alive um, exactly but the same concept isn't it and so you know then then the question then becomes okay well does that you know do you do you change the targeting of that or do you change the source of the problem or do you does it instill this need to just every regiment needs a character in them in order to compete in that particular environment mm. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one because I think all things are given when you look at each individual character at least, and this is off the top of my head, guys. Like I'm not I'm not sitting down crunching numbers um, about you know each individual character. I'm just saying as a whole, 
If you look at each individual uh, character... You're not dedicated enough. Yeah, I know, right? I just, I just don't have that time. I, I wish I did sometimes. But um, if you look at each individual character and you look at the masteries they can take, and when you then look at, say, you look at those combat characters and you that all of them are combat three. If they can be combat three, they're combat three. Now, yeah. why are they combat three? Because they get the cleave plus one. Now, sure, if they don't have cleave, it makes that quite. It makes that basically completely uh, um, uh, useless. But a lot of the combat heroes that you're looking at taking have cleave, and now that plus one means that they're just doing all of the work, and the the infantry just carry them there. Like I know for, for a fact, like I I used, I still do every now and then run a blooded in a unit of six stands of stalkers and just run him up the board. He's combat level three. He's got Vinda the dancer. He's got either wolf aspect if I want to make him as fast as the stalkers or if I can live with slowing them down. He's got bear for the extra attack. And now he's rolling a ridiculous amount of attacks all at cleave three. And the, the stalkers are just defense one resolve potato to get him up into combat so he can just murder machine through whatever I throw him at. Um, and the hold ray in a unit of warriors, like Monty said before, yeah, Herald of Stone, that unit's like defense five, resolve five or six now, depending on the size. And the hold rays cleave two. He's probably got champion's horns. He's combat three. And he is just going to make a ridiculous amount of cleave to attacks, hitting on sixes, exploding with relentless blows because he's clash six and just murder a unit. And the hold warriors are just there clapping because yeah. they're going to roll a few dice, get a few hits, maybe kill some models. But you're putting all your points into the hero, which isn't a bad thing. But it's a bad thing when, com realistically, Combat Three is making it like that. Now I don't know about like um, the Spire Masters of Flesh or whatever their one is, where it gives them an extra draw event. Like I don't really have a, a super big opinion on that. I think tactical is quite balanced, all things considered, and arcane or magic or whatever it's called, the retinue itself. Um, I think that's quite balanced. I know it can spike in one direction or another, depending obviously on the the wizard or priest that's using it and the mm. spell that you're casting. Because, you know, you look at something like Fire Dart, where you're just getting a stupid amount of hits or Holy Fire or whatever. Um, like, you can you can do a lot of damage. But I think because they're, they're kind of corner cases, but then it's like, you know, you look at, combat three and you've got noble lords on foot in units of men-at-arms or household guard or whatever at cleave two or three or whatever they are cleave with three. the yeah with a silly amount of attacks you've got the hold ray with his cleave two and silly amount of attacks you've got the blooded with his silly amount of attacks um at cleave three like all of those like absolute combat monsters comes down to that extra cleave because mm. if it's only cleave one or cleave two you have to be a little bit smarter where you put it. But when it's cleave three, it just murders whatever it touches. Um, for the most part. I mean, obviously, there's some outside cases when you can hit like D4, D5, especially with some Dweg Home and some 100k stuff. Um, and things like your Avatar would still get a save at that point, albeit only on ones. But it's when... Because I, I, I don't think I've ever done a list for Dweg when I've looked at um, or sat down and built a list for them where I don't have a hold Ray who's combat three and I don't have an ardent Karawa who's combat three. Yeah. Because... Oh, look. Yeah. 
so I'll, I'll, I'll let you finish, no, no. and then I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. I think I was, I was basically done. <laughs> you're basically, let's, let's, yeah. yeah. Look, I look everything you say. I, I don't disagree with. I think um, you make a good point. You know, the difference between Cleave Two and Cleave Three is enormous uh, in terms of battlefields impact. Uh, Cleave Three is, unless you've got some wicked evasion, is incredibly hard to to nullify and then when it's 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 you know we're, we're, we're being honest you know it's not hard in any way shape or form to get these upgrades they're not even expensive mm. um you know you're turning a 80 point hero in the in the hold raise um instance into like a 130 point hero i think 135 point hero and then you've got all your all your 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 buffs and then add another um, 10 or 15 points and you've got champions hordes and you're laughing um, so it's, it's it's not it's not particularly hard to do, and then it turns them, as you well pointed out, into an absolute blender who, you know, really do dominate that particular board space. And and look, I think that is fine to a degree. I'm I'm really not unhappy with heroes being a defining factor in certain armies mm. because that's fun. I, I you know I mean if if that's how you want to run, that's great. And, and you shouldn't be penalised for doing that. But the problem then being, uh, you know, is it a negative play experience if who you're versing, just their army just hasn't hasn't got those particular answers to that question? Yeah. Um, you know, do they have an answer? Can they take down a hold ray at Cleave 2? Can they snipe out a Noble Lord at Cleave 3 before he can snipe you? Well, you know, that's, that's a good question. Can you do it? Mm. If you can't, then, you know, that's not particularly fun. Um, yeah. You know, in in other games like um, you know, you use Age of Sigma for for an example. I don't like to sort of talk about other games on this on this particular podcast, but you know, if you do have crazy powerful heroes, at least they're targetable. You can at least go right right from the off. This hero is bananas. I'm going to take him down with everything I've got right away, yeah. and you don't have to bother trying to get through the um, 25 wound ablative wounds of this unit. You can just target him direct. Um, whereas in this game, that's obviously not the case. So yes, I, I, I don't have an innate problem with it. I just think, as you well pointed out, I think the cleave, the extra plus one cleave on clash, oh, sorry, on combat three, I would like to see change to yeah. just one cleave. I think that would balance quite a lot of the problem. When you're talking about things like tactical, honestly, mate, we could talk for hours on this particular topic. Um, <laughs> t tactical retinues, I think, is the main one they did right. I think it is so good. I think it's it's not as overtly powerful. And I think it might just be the way that I enjoy playing and that I, I prefer heroes to be supporting the regiment. So the regiment is the stupid superstar. Yep. And the heroes are sort of the cheerleader at the back going, woohoo, go you yeah. Vanguard clones. They just, get um, to, they just get to do something <laughs> a little extra, but they add to the unit. Oh, in, in, in a really good way. And, and, and you know, the, the classic example is, is the Imperial officer. He is a marvellous hero. He's fast becoming one of my favourite heroes in the game, purely because he's just... I mean, you might as well strap some pom-poms on him and give him a, 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 a racy <laughs> dance number because he that is what he is doing. He's just going, brilliant, my heavy unit, in she comes on flank, and you're re-rolling all these resolve because why not? And you've got a 10-point upgrade to Bastion because that's how I roll. Um, and let's go, go, go. Yeah. So he's brilliant. And, and I, I think that's completely balanced. 
You pay for it, but the effect you get is tangible. I think it's worth the cost in, in a in a way that isn't auto-include. And I think that's a topic that's been brought up quite a bit in yeah. terms of false choices. You know, if as we're discussing, you know, if you're taking your blood and he's not combat three i mean most people will look at you askance and say what are you doing do you not have you not read the retinues (laughs) (laughs) have you do you not know what you do is this your first time (laughs) the only (laughs) exception would be if if you're putting him in like uger or werewolves with curse of the wolfen but that's it like the you're not but realistically like at that point you're really weighing up an option like do i want these amazing benefits that come with combat because it is an auto an auto take like we just said or do i want to put my character in a in a brute unit to make that brute unit a little bit scarier yeah but every time you do that reese i die a little bit inside oh oh, don't worry my blood it does too um (laughs) (laughs) i don't yeah i I think the point i'm trying to make is it's not a choice You, you have a false choice in that the benefits to that arrangement are so overwhelmingly huge that it's almost guaranteed that you're going to do that. And so in in essence, what you're saying is it's not an 80-point hero, it's a 135-point hero. And that's that's basically it. You might as well just scratch out the the total price on Army Builder and and just write 135. Um, And that's what I think the current, certainly with combat, and we'll get to the others, with combat, I think that's what's happening. I think it's it's a guaranteed take. It's an auto include because of its power level. Uh, it's not particularly expensive, and it turns it, it basically makes an exponential difference to the character. Mm. Yep, when it comes to tactical, uh, I think it's 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 a it's a really really good balance level. I think you're paying a lot of points. I think getting tier three tacticals like fifty five points. So it's not uh, it's not yeah. nothing. Did I do that right? Is it? Yeah, that's, uh, it's 50 or 55, something like that, yeah. Because yeah, I think it's, it's 40 for combat. And I was just doing the rough math in my head and completely blanked out. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a five-point variance. That's, uh, I'll take that as a win. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, look, you pay, you're paying, uh, you know, not, not a cheap amount. But what you're getting is you're revolutionising the regiment that you're coming in with that yep. particular hero so you're you're essentially saying i'm going to take this slow infantry heavy regiment that otherwise would have no chance in hell of actually impacting this game i'm going to pay 50 points and i'm going to have them being a real presence turn three yep, exactly. uh, and, that, and, and and you know by supporting that it's just a different style of playing it, i think it's far more balanced because you know it, after all, it's just the regiment you have to deal with, uh, which is pretty standard. You know, regiment on regiment, that's fine. Um, you don't have to deal with the character. It's just part of making that regiment better. And, and and maybe that's just my sort of angled view of the game. So I think tactical is perfect. I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't. I would. I think it's in. It's in a wonderful sweet spot. Maybe slightly overpriced, but either you know, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, you know, when you said it was it was fifteen points more expensive to get tier three tactical than tier three combat, I thought, really? <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like that. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, anyway, tier three arcane is really really interesting because I think, and and this is when it comes into like you know power gaming and and certain top top combos and I think, but I think tier three arcane is is almost just as powerful as combat three to the right setup. Yeah. Um, 
certainly for spires with the tier three mastery of flesh uh has revolutionized their support character game um i know um you know t basically it doubles the effectiveness of of your sort of backfield biomancer or ferromancer um allowing them to uh to draw events it, it, it opens up the play of essentially taking a ferromancer using Mastery of the Occult and getting access to both a Ferromancy and Biomancy, which is incredibly powerful. Yep. You can really just take your pick as to what supportive buffs you want for your army um, and then run with a different you know, regiment combination because you don't need a Biomancer or you don't need a Ferromancer. You can take one or either. I think it's brilliant. It's really, really strong. Um, you're paying a lot of points for that and that's i think it's more balanced it's not just like combat where you throw a 40 40 point tax on and you've got this massive benefits you're paying almost god what is it i i think tier three arcanes almost the same as tactical i think it's about 55 points yeah i think that's you're then playing right. 20 points to to get access to a different spell so that's what we're talking 75 points now um and then you've got to take the cost of the spell so we're, we're, we're adding at least 100 if not 110 120 depending on the cost of the spell yeah that's just to achieve that particular combo so you know while it's very powerful you're paying an awful lot for it so it's it's it creates a, its own balance of risk reward you you can do it it's very very good but you have to cut back in other areas or you have to be clever with how you build your list to compensate for that yeah um when you're looking at arcane mastery for sorry arcane retinue for things like the uh tempered sorcerer yeah very, very good um very very good i think it obviously um is made all the more exponentially good by the fact of the the war the supremacy ability being able to cast two spells um you know in one basically each turn uh, is you know obviously you you make those individual spells much better and all of a sudden casting two in one turn just exponentially gets better so you know yeah. the, the auto i think the auto success of tier three is pretty bananas uh, it makes casting any spell really uh a dead cert doesn't it for the most part, unless it's scaling and you're aiming at a big unit, it's, yeah. it's basically it's an automatic success. And for things like, um, say, uh, healing spells especially, like mm. your, your Nidwan Tears, your Fruit of the Golden Tree, like mm. that's that's an automatic two models back or two wounds back before before you even roll the dice. Like, And you're getting the plus one dice as well from level one arcane. So... Yeah. You're getting an immediate success plus an extra dice plus your normal dice, and then for healing spells especially, and for like the double hit offensive spells, yeah. things like uh, was it fireball, fire dart, uh, holy fire? It yeah, just the, means the, it's the, an, the it's an, one it, the double hit the feast priest. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's 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 an immediate two hits. Um, and yeah, it can and like you said with the tempered sork with the double tap of spells. I mean, obviously not the same spell anymore, which is good, but when you can run, say, Fireball and Flame Wall, mm -hmm. that's a lot of hits you can do with one automatic success, and I think they're rolling six or seven dice come level one arcane. Um, so yeah, like being able to do stuff like that is absolutely crazy. And yeah, then when you look at things like the Thief Priest um, or like the Healer 
casters things like the Volva for Nords or the, the Chapter Mage or the Shaman for Nords, especially if you run Learned of the Occult. Um, being able to get those automatic wounds back, just especially on a big, like a Chapter Mage in a unit of Steel Legion, like you're just bringing so many Steel Legion back for free every turn. Oh, the, I mean, the healing is, is is a really good shout in terms of that particular utility. I do I do think in those corner cases, you are paying a fair amount to get that strategy. Um, and in certain cases, you, you do have to do a bit of a wiggle round, you know, with Chapter Mage. You, you wouldn't be able to get Tier 3 Arcane and also um, Eccentric, um, you know, to, to be able to bring Steel Legion in with her. So you'd have to bring Steel Legion in with something else. Yep. Um, and then wiggle across and, and oh, it's a pain of the bum to be honest <laughs> uh, you could do it and i'm sure you've got some sort of like gameplay where that would be immense and and i'd love to see it um but uh yeah look the the opportunity cost is very real in that situation situation is like you know um, i think we, we've covered the temperate sorcerer before i don't want to sort of talk about the temperate sorcerer to death i think you know what we all know is very, very good and and you know it, part and parcel of that is his access to tier three arcane retinue makes him yep. much much better um so yeah i think it i think it you know to, to to take the conversation forward and you know to get to the crux of it is i i don't care about characters being super powerful because as i've already said you know, if that's the way you want to fly, brilliant. I love people being individualistic. I love the idea of certain armies being more themed towards powerful characters like the Nords. I love the fact that they have really powerful blooded and really powerful Jarls. I think that's great. Uh, it sort of gives them identity, uh, you know, in terms of Dwegum. Um, well, they're a bit different story because they have super powerful units as well as super powerful characters. <laughs> so they're a, they're a bit of a side case. Uh, you know, spires. It's a bit of a different case as well because they don't have any other than the mimetic assassin who who can't take combat three. See, there you go. He can't take combat. Yeah. Three. He doesn't. He doesn't become that ultimate beat stick. He's still pretty good, but I mean, that's that's for a different reason. So uh, let, let's be real. He doesn't need combat three at all. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying he's not good. He's he's nice. He's tasty. Um, but you know what I mean. Like they don't have uh, the quintessential noble lord on foot hero that yep. would then benefit from combat three and and be an auto attack. Um, so I think it it's just it's just going to be faction to faction. And I think to me, I just want internal balance. I want a super good hero in a list to be offset by the negatives of that. So are yeah. they, as you pointed out, are they in a unit of stalkers that had defense one? Brilliant. Because that is, your blooded is going to mince anything, but it's a ticking time bomb. It's a race against time. Who could take that unit down? Because they've got to go It's one stiff breeze about not being able to do anything at all. Yep. <laughs> you know, you're, you're just one massive salvo away from a four stand wide regiment of marksman clones away from just wiping that entire unit out from the game yep. so there's an innate balance to that but i think in in situations where you've got regiments that are super strong combined with with combat characters that are super strong or, or supporting characters that are super strong that doesn't take a great amount of point cost to get to that level of strength i think that's where the imbalance lies Mm. So I think maybe what we're looking at is Hero Hammer. Potentially, it's really affecting um, 
potentially one faction, maybe two, but I don't think Hundred Kingdoms is to the point where they that the noble lord on foot with cleave three i don't honestly think that makes that faction too good i think it, it it's a great combo and i really i've to be honest I've, I've enjoyed sort of uh enjoyed that little that little number i know i know it's 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 ridiculous um <laughs> <laughs> you know that little that little dance with the side piece uh but at the end of the day the overall f- power of the army until they start getting super good order units now of course ask me this question in one year's time when they have access to order of st lazarus unbelievable minimum unit foot troops they have access to crimson tower charging around the flanks and just decimating anything they can they can get their hands on and then you have a noble lord cleave three running through with his tooled up unit of household guard that might be a very different opinion yeah yeah, but, but and that's the thing is like at at the moment, the 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 retinues and the masteries I think are perfectly fine overall, and I think the heroes stay fairly balanced across all armies. But realistically, there's those those corner cases of the models that can take arcane level three especially and combat level three that just push them a little bit over the edge. And if you're not prepared for that or have an answer to that, it can be yeah. a really, really rough time to verse off against a force that's running two hold rays at combat level three, one with champion's horns, both in big units, or two blooded in minimum, or, or big units of stalkers for for the speed, one with Vinda, one with, um, uh, what's the... You can run either Yang Rapier, which gives you relentless blows immediately, or you can run the Bloodlust plus three attacks. So, like, you can, like, if you're versing off against army like that, you're probably not ready for how much of a blender those heroes can do. But if you are, that's great. But it's only because it's those few heroes that we have access to at the moment that do skew that opinion, I think, a little bit off kilter because yeah. they're easily accessible, it's cheap to do. Um, it is only 50 points for level three uh, magic as well. I just checked that before. Um, so yeah, so it's just those those corner cases really where if you build into it, you've got this one murder machine hero or two or three murder machine heroes in your list, and it can really cause a bad time for your opponent. But yeah. if but if it was you know if if you do change that combat and that that arcane, I mean I don't know what you could do with arcane really. That, that I don't might... think it needs to be changed. I, I honestly don't think so. I think I can no. fine. Yeah, I think because with uh, because that one especially... Said, you, yeah. you are paying a lot of points for it. Yep, exactly. But I think combat is cheap. Combat is easily accessible. And um, and that extra cleave is just terrifying um, when put on the heroes that people put them on. Definitely. Absolutely. I think that's that's the main take. And, and, and I, in terms of tactically how to deal with, with Hero Hammer as a concept and, and how to deal with it, you know, obviously, you know, Parabellum will be making checks and balances as the game progresses. You know, they're releasing new factions. New factions will have new heroes. They'll have to be looked at in terms of their of their sort of internal working with the retinue system and, and maybe there'll be there'll be tweaks. We know magic as a concept will be heavily uh reviewed in 1.04 so all of these you know all this discussion certainly about the magic is a little bit premature because you know come the new edition it might actually be incredibly different and retinues might completely change as well we just don't know it's it's still pretty much in its infancy um 
So I, I get the, it. Yeah, sorry. sorry, I was just going to quickly say, it's like for the but for the for the you know the game state as it is at the moment in 1.03, mm-hmm. that's where we sort of sit with what heroes do. Um, and so yeah, you've you've really got to be prepared for it. But I think as a sort of closing opinion, I think heroes are fine as they are. I just think that there's some minor changes that could be, maybe you could say should be made to retinues and probably the way that some of the masteries work on uh, in, in sort of situations. I mean, that's that's another kettle of fish entirely, but you're having some slight changes to the auto-include um, retinues would probably help people, um, I guess, you know, consume the idea a bit better. So how about this race? I just mm. just was thinking about it then. It. How about not changing anything about it, mm-hmm. but just saying characters can either have a mastery or a retinue. Yeah, that's pretty sick. I, I can I can understand that. That makes perfect sense. Or even limit um do what they do with masteries, where if you take the same retinue again in an army, costs you double points. Oh, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. So if you take... And if you had two Noble Lords, both at combat three, one pays 40, but one plays 80. Yeah, I think they'd just do that anyway, though. I think that, that, that again, bleeds into that... Um, that but bear pop- in mind, that at that point, you're basically losing three stands of something. So you are having to pay yeah. that cost somewhere. Yeah, um, definitely. I, I just think... I think, you know, if you, if you made it a choice between you can take either a retinue or a a mastery yep. you know so to sort of i guess the law could be um you know the character has developed their own sort of master of the art or, or master of the combat art or whatever whatever the fluff might be yep. uh, and because of that mastery you know they're, they're a lone wolf you know they don't need support they've they've developed their own level of technical ability to the point where they're a solo force um, versus, you know, the retinues of they haven't mastered this, but they've got little helpers. Um. <laughs> yeah, no, makes perfect. Yeah, and I think that's that's the thing is like having a couple of different ways to to do it, or yeah, it's just like yeah, make either make changes to how they work or make changes to how you access them, and then that'll and be look, perfectly fine. Absolutely, and and I think my closing remarks as to the the whole. Uh, kit and caboodle would mainly be in terms of the tactical decisions of the objective play so we know that this game has gone towards an objective focus uh, and it's constantly moving that way which i think is in in good health for the game so at some point it will just be a case of okay you can devote 150 points plus a big ablative wound pool so say for instance 400 total points mm-hmm. you can devote that to this murder ball but they're slow, they're not getting in quick, and you might be half already lost on the day before you actually get to objectives. You know, your opponent didn't take any sort of murder ball units, just did the old the old objective switcheroos, and they're already running away with it. Yeah. Um, so that's, again, that's the, that's the pro and con. At the end of the day, even if characters do stay the same in terms of super impactful, they are just one stand when it comes to scoring. So if you can just play the objective game and, and, and try to nullify some of that, or even play a bit more into um, using chaff, you know, um, 
using using a minimum unit of force grown drones to sprint out ahead of your army and just stay there and don't don't charge don't move them and just basically take that that charge from the unit with the tooled up hold ray and then you know you've just wait you, they've spent 450 points on that unit and they've just wasted a turn chewing through your, your 75 point drone yeah um you know it's all just it's you know i think that's probably what we'll have to do but look let's just uh sort of wait to see how it comes out in the wash but i'm glad we sort of had uh, had it back and forth about it yeah no it was good and i think yeah again guys this is our opinion please feel free to let us know um on our facebook page you know what you think how you think there could be changes why there should or shouldn't be changes and that's in regards to to you know what heroes and retinues and that are like or in regards to the board size like we're we're interested to hear your thoughts and see what you know the community thinks um like especially of our content but also how the game is going and where they see what's happening with the game in their eyes so you know, being able to have that conversation, I think, is always a good thing. Um, and I think with topics like this, especially like the conversations happened a lot over the last few months, like we've said. So, you know, um, you know, us putting our opinions out there to see what you guys think back. Um, I mean, it's probably dangerous because, like I said, the Internet's a perfectly safe and lovely place. But um, I think I think our listeners are, 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 are you know, probably the, the best of the bunch. So I'll leave it in safe hands. But um, but no, thank you. Top cohort. Um, <laughs> exactly but no, thanks monty it's been great i think that's basically everything we wanted to cover guys um unless you've got anything else to add on my dear friend no mate i'm just gonna say thank you everyone for listening and game on ladies and gentlemen excellent excellent awesome guys thank you very much we've been vanguard garage gaming and we'll catch you next time see ya